Okay, it's nice to be here this morning. It's been a wee while I've been here. Maybe at the early part of the year 2020. So I just want to share a, tell you a wee joke. You know, I've been accused, or somebody says you're too serious sometimes, so I'm trying to tell a wee joke. This joke, I think it's a bit better. Some of Sandy's jokes at the men's meeting, and Andy Martin's, I think this joke's a bit better. But there was three pastors, three pastors uh, on the golf course. And the first one began to bear his heart, and he says, I've been under a lot of stress, and I've been drinking. And he says, now I'm full of fear that the church is going to find out and I get into trouble and I get exposed. The next one says, it's funny you should say that. He says, I've started gambling again. And I think that's because he's stressed as well. And I'm full of fear now that I'm going to get found out. And the third one never said a word, not a word. He just stayed quiet. And later on, they were in the locker room putting their stuff away. And one of the, the first one says to the third one, we've shared with you what we're struggling with. And you have no says a word. Is everything all right in your life? And he says, I can't wait to get out of here. He says, I'm a malicious gossip. <laughs> so, praise God. <coughs> Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Verse 2, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And really, you can see the gospel, or part of the gospel within these two verses. It says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, I think when it's saying that word body there, it could, you could, you could, it's speaking about your life. And it goes on to say that this is your reasonable service, meaning it is required of you to give your very life because Jesus gave his life for us. We are required to give our lives in return. Then it goes on to say that we'll be transformed by the renewing of our mind. There's many different uh, translations which speak of that verse differently, but most of them say we'll be transformed by the renewing of our mind. There's one which says we'll be transformed from the inside out. There's another verse which says we'll be transformed inwardly. Another verse which says we'll be tra transformed by making our minds new. In other words, it's it's within. There's some of the changes got to happen within. There's another verse the uh, that's this is a, the old King James, the, the new King James version I'm reading from. But there's the NLT says this. It's quite a good translation for verse two. It says, "Do not copy the behaviour and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and which is pleasing." And which is perfect. So Paul is telling us here, the more that we are transformed, the more we enter into the will of God for our lives. And the question is, how does that happen in the, the life of the individual? You know, I'm going to share something just, just in a few minutes about something that has happened to me just about 14 months ago. 
or it maybe came to a conclusion 14 months ago, it was many, many, many years in the making. And then really the reason, part of the reason that happened was because of what this verse teaches, that we can be transformed by the renewing of our minds. And how does that work? See, I believe that we can create our own environments by our lifestyles. Whatever our lifestyle is, whatever we are focused on, you know, will create an environment round about us. And that environment will begin to be deposited within us. I used to watch a guy years ago, a preacher, and he would always use this term, what you behold is what you'll become. And if I remember right, he was taking it from the verse, beholding as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord. And what he was basically saying is, whatever you're focused on, you'll become that. Whatever you're focused on, it will become a part of you. You know, I believe the more that we find God, the more he restores us. You know, and it's really, what are we focused on? We need to cultivate a relationship with God through pressing into God. In Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 13, it says this, and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. So what I've begun to believe, for, for maybe for about the year 2020, the beginning of 2020 is that the more we find God, the more he restores us. The more that we find God, the more he heals us. The more that we find God, the more he transforms us. The two things have got to go hand in hand. There's a correlation. So the guy would say, what you behold is what you become. Let me give you some examples of this. There's negative examples and there's also a, an alternative example. Some of these may know people within society who are dysfunctional. And it's because they don't know the Lord. You know, they've never met with Jesus. And they're very, very dysfunctional. And their lives are, it's all drama. Everything is centered around drama. It's one drama after the next, after the next, after the next. They don't know how to talk. You get, get into houses and they just shout, 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 and conflict, you know. And that becomes their environment. That which seems to be abnormal for some becomes their normal. And that environment will begin to be, become a part of them. You know, it begins to be deposited within them. Even kids who are innocent within the environments, what they're living in becomes a, a part of them, as deposited within them. So some people, it's drama, drama, drama. Some people, it's constant conflict. You can just listen to the way they talk. It's conflict, conflict, conflict. It becomes their lifestyle. They create an environment all around about them and it is deposited within them. Some people, it is alcohol. You know, it's all their lives is about drink, 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 and it becomes their normal. It is deposited within them. For some people, it's drugs. Some people, it's money, 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 materialisms. For some people, it's the television. Some people spend hours every day watching the television. And if that goes on for a period of years, year after year after year, that will become deposited within them and it becomes a part of who they are. Some people had a pal, I've lost contact with them now, 
he used to say to me, God was trying to draw this guy. There was many people came to him at different times of his life. I was one of them. You know, I knew him when I was young, then I met him again after I became a Christian. And God was always trying to draw him. He went into church, he would experience the presence of God, but he would never accept Jesus. And he says to me, I think he would be born becoming a Christian. But then he told me, he says, I spend four hours a day on Facebook. Four hours a day, just looking at what everybody else is doing. And if you, people do that long enough, it will be deposited within them. It becomes a part of who they are. I've got another one here, but I didn't know that there was kids here, so I'm going to try and tweak, tweak it a wee bit, because I think it's important to try and make the point, but I'll tweak it, but I've actually got wrote down here. For some people, in the higher end of the spectrum, they're involved in uncleanness, through things they watch, they read, you know, and what their eyes are watching, and what they're, what they're hearing, you know, and I'm talking about stuff that's defiled, you know, the more they absorb that, the more they take that in, they will, they will become defiled at the very core of who they are through the images they're watching. You know, and it begins to defile them and it begins to become a part of them. See, this guy would say all the time, what you behold is what you will become. You know, whatever you're focused on, it will become a part of you. You know, and even for professing Christians, what do we do with our time? What is our lifestyle? What kind of environment are we creating round about us? Because this is what Paul says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, to offer your bodies, meaning your lives, as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you'll learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. See, so much is, is in our belief systems. You know, we, we, we were brought up and we're watching things, we're listening to things, things happen to us, we go through things and belief systems are developed within us. You know, and sometimes those belief systems are wrong and it has got to be, that has got to be changed by the word of God. How are we transformed by the renewing of our mind? How does that all work? Well, I can remember as far back as primary school, I was affected with fear and anxiety. You know, I would feel it in my stomach through, through, through trauma. You know, I would feel it in my stomach, then I get saved in the year 2002, and I was instantly delivered from addiction. But all the other stuff, it was a long, long, long process. And I got to the year 2007, July 2007, and I'd been a Christian for five years but by that time, and there was, there'd been a lot of change, but there was so much underneath the surface that hadn't been dealt with, you know, that I didn't even know was still there. And what happened to me was I used to have a lot of sleeping problems, insomnia and stuff like that, fear, anxiety, stress, deep-rooted insecurity. And in 2007, July, I was working uh, for the Church of Scotland with homelessness. And I was going, I was leaving that organization and I was going to work with another organization, another Christian organization. And it was a Sunday night, and I remember the day, it was the 15th of July, 
getting into the 16th of July in 2007. And I couldn't get to sleep that night. And, and I'd been sleeping good for a few months. So I was wondering why I couldn't get to sleep. I was up half the night and I finally got to sleep. I went to work, came in the next night, same thing happened again. Same thing happened again. But it came to the point where I was lying awake every single night, the full night, absolutely tormented. Then I was going to work during the day and I was very, very, very ill. And I ended up with full-blown insomnia. Awake all the time, awake all night, every single night, full-blown insomnia, severe anxiety, severe stress. I began to experience all these different symptoms and I took a, a nervous breakdown. And I get diagnosed within a few months of that. I get diagnosed first this, I went to see somebody and they told me, I think you'll get uh, post-traumatic stress disorder. And I couldn't really identify with that. I didn't really understand trauma at that particular time. Then I went back to see somebody again a, a few months later. And they began to show me all these symptoms in a, in a book, in a, in a big book. And, and I've seen uh, professionals, health professionals. And I get diagnosed with a condition called complex post-traumatic stress disorder. And what that means is complex post-traumatic stress disorder is to do with, it's an anxiety disorder. Post-traumatic stress disorder and complex post-traumatic stress, it's kind of the same thing, except complex means it's severe. And it also means it is to do with pre-puberty trauma, trauma before the brain is developed. See, what health professionals will tell you is that trauma as an adult, once the brain is developed, affects you differently to trauma as a child before the brain is developed. So it means you, you were really, you never experienced one or two or three traumas. It was constant. You were living in it, you know, and you were constantly living in adversity and trauma, 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 trauma. And it means it's severe. It means you're really, it's really uh, complex, if you know what I mean. And it's, the, the effect is had on you is detrimental. So I get diagnosed with this condition and I was really ill. And at one point I never worked for five and a half years because I was, I was that broken inside and I was in such a dark place. But in, in the year 2008, maybe about 13 months after I'd been ill, I had an experience with the Holy Spirit. And in that supernatural experience, it was like a, a, a grace was imparted to me. I was still ill. But it was like there was a grace imparted in me to pray for long periods of time and to study the word of God for long periods of time. From I used to read the Bible for Genesis. I would start at Genesis and I would work through a revelation. And I began to live my life like this, but I was really began to seek God that I would find him. And I really began to, you know, study the word of God in such a way that maybe the day would come where it would bring transformation. You know, how are we transformed by the renewing of our mind? It is through the word of God. Because we take stuff in all the time and it becomes a part of us. But when we begin to absorb the word of God, it will begin to flush other things out. And the years went on and on. And I could feel that God was healing me in stages, but I could never ever get fully well. And in the year 2014, I went back to work because I had I'd experienced some restoration. And uh, I started the ministry at the end of 2015, and that kind of ran up to the lockdown last March. But I came into the year 2020, and I was still experiencing symptoms. 
I no longer had full bone insomnia, but I'd still just had sleeping problems, you know. I wouldn't get into a deep sleep, I wouldn't sleep the full night. I was still suffering from stress, fear, anxiety. And in March of 12th, it was the last meeting before the lockdown. Sandy was actually speaking at that meeting. And uh, a guy came into the, 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 the meeting. And he came in, I'd troubled him in the past a lot, and I'd cut ties with him by this time. And I'm no kind of fit to deal with people, but and I wasn't expecting him to walk in. And I thought he was in to cause trouble. But it turned out later, he, he was just in it try, trying to get kind of back in with me. And uh, so my anxiety trigger, this is, this is what would happen. When the anxiety triggers, you can't think straight. So I would go up to start the meeting and I was all over the place. You know what I mean? Tried to pray a prayer and my mind went blank, absolutely blank. So that was the last time my anxiety triggered. Then we came into April 2020. It was, I think it was the first Sunday of the month of April. And I was praying in my bedroom for several hours on a Sunday. And I walked from the bedroom into the kitchen and I began to feel God was speaking to me. And this is what I heard him say. And this obviously had to, had to stand the test of time. You know, I had to process it and see, you know what I mean, if God was really, time tells if it, if it was God, but, but I really believe God was speaking to him at the time. And this is what God said to me. He says, I've now healed you of this condition. So I'm thinking this is the 5th of April. And I, I says, when was the last time my anxiety triggered? And I, I, I traced it back. I hadn't noticed it up until then, but I traced it back to the 12th of March. And I thought, that's about three weeks. You know, no anxiety, no stress. And what would happen to me was the pressures would come, just external pressures of life that everybody experiences. And But when you, if you suffer from anxiety, you'll blow it all out of proportion. You know, the pressures would come and I would either get very stressed or I would feel fear or I would feel this knot in my stomach beginning to arise, which is anxiety. So I thought, I would know, that's not happened to me for about three weeks. Then the next thing that happened was God took me to a scripture. This is the same day. It was the scripture was Isaiah 61, verse 1. And it says this, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. This is the scripture Jesus quoted in Luke 4.18, pointing to himself about salvation and about, about healing the broken hearted. It says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor, the forgiveness of sins. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. So God began to speak three things to me, but I'm only mentioning one of them here. And it was the middle part, he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. And this is what God said to me. He says, that, I'm just kind of paraphrasing it. You know, this is, it didn't say it in these words, but this is what he revealed to me. He says, that condition you had, in mental health, in the mental health profession, it is a mental illness. It says, but in the scripture, it says it's a broken heart. And he says, you had a broken heart. And he says, I've now healed your broken heart. I've now healed that condition. And you know, there's stuff in my life I'm still dealing with, but that particular condition, which is a mental illness, an anxiety disorder, God has completely healed me from that. For then to now, even before then, for about March 2020, and we're now in May 2021, I've had absolutely no symptoms. I'm saying, I'm not talking about it's 50% gone. 
are 90% gone or even 99. I'm talking about every one of these symptoms is 100% gone. You know, 100% gone. Fear, anxiety, stress, sleeping problems, you know, agitation, and being intolerant, you know, being impatient of, of, of something, stress that does that anyway. It's completely and 100% gone. You know, God's dealing with some other stuff now in my life, but re in relation to that, it is absolutely gone. You know, and how did it happen? You know, I really began to cultivate a relationship with God. God gave me a grace to do that, you know, over the years. But I began to take this Bible and I began to read it and read it and read it and read it. And what does it say? That we'll be transformed by the renewing of our mind. So, you know, Sandy told me his dad had this saying. His dad, his dad, Graham's granddad, isn't it? His dad's Graham's and, and this was his kind of theme. This was a big thing for him. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and verse 2. And his dad used to say to him, Sandy, good stuff in, bad stuff out. In other words, you know, we can take this word and begin to absorb it. Begin to read it. I'm talking about daily. I'm not talking about on and off, you know, because that's inconsistent. I'm talking about when there's consistency. We begin to read that and read it and read it. It will begin to bring transformation. It will begin to transform us by the renewing of our mind. It will begin to transform us inwardly. It will begin to transform us into new people. You know, we can flush things out, like even mental illness. That is really the alternative. In the Bible, in the book of Revelation, Jesus is, is described as the word of God. You know, then in John chapter 1, verse 1, it says, In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God. It's talking about Jesus, and the word was God. Now, I don't fully understand that. But, you know, God, you cannot, how, how Jesus is, is, is a person, is, is, is God in the flesh. He's the son of God, but he is God. But he's also the word of God. This word here is also the word. But what I do know is you, you cannot separate someone from their word. You cannot se separate God from his word. You cannot separate me or you from our word. If I say it someday on a consistent basis, I'm going to do this and I do it. Then I say it again and I do it. You can't separate me from that. That person knows if you say something, you're going to do it. In the same way, if somebody continually says things, I'm going to do this, they don't do it. I'm going to do this, they don't do it. You can't separate that for that person. It becomes a part of who they are. But they say, I met a guy just recently, a guy that was kind of connected with the ministry. And I was talking about him. He's, he's, he's kind of working through some stuff. And, and he says, I'll phone you this week and we'll meet up. Right? Because of my experience with him, I know he's not going to phone me. And I know we're not going to meet up because he won't phone me. And I, I know if I phone him, he'll not answer the phone. So because of my experience with him, you know, I know his word. You, you can't separate him from that. And it is the same with God. God's word cannot return void. God cannot lie. God is not a man that he should lie. If God says it, it's going to happen. You know, and in John chapter 1 again, that was verse 1 I mentioned. But if you go down to verse 14... Speaking of Jesus again, it says, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So it's saying 
the word became flesh. And in the same way that Jesus, as the word of God, became flesh, in the same way, we have really got to take that word, that word right there, and we've got to begin to deposit it within ourselves, till it becomes flesh, till it becomes a part of who we are. You know, it, it will transform our very lives. I'm talking about really, really transform our lives. That's what I've been doing for years, and that's what I'm believing for more of that, that transformation process. In the Gospel of John, again, chapter 8, verse 31 and verse 32, Jesus himself said this. He says, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. That's verse 31. Now, he's, he's saying that to be a disciple, you need to abide in the word. I mean, you might be a Christian, and you might go to church, but the question is, are you a disciple? Because Jesus is telling us a disciple is somebody who abides in the word of God. In other words, it becomes their life. You know, it becomes a part of their life that they begin to create, that it becomes their lifestyle. To be focused in Jesus Christ becomes a lifestyle. They create their own environment around about them and that is deposited within them and it becomes a part of who they are. If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. Then it goes on to tell you the result of that. And you shall know the truth. That's the truth in here. And the truth shall make you free. It's all in the word of God he's saying. The truth shall make you free. Who free? You and me. Why? So you can, he's basically telling us here that you can make a decision. I can make a decision. But if you're struggling with things in your life, I think most of these are, you know, stuff we need to set free for, stuff that we've not quite overcame, whatever it may be, you know, whatever, whatever it is, you can take the word of God and you can ask God for the grace to be consistent and begin to read that word and it will begin to transform us. It will begin to set us free on the inside. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 26 and verse 27, Paul tells us again, that he might sanctify and cleanse her. Her, he meaning Jesus, her meaning the church, with the washing of the water of the word, that he might present her to himself, a glorious church, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, holy and without blemish. Paul tells us again that the word of God sanctifies, it cleanses, it purifies, you know, it transforms, it changes from the inside out. And you might think, how is that possible? It's only a book. It's no any ordinary book. For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and joints and marrow and as a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. In other words, the word of God can penetrate and it can touch, it can affect every fiber of our being of who we are and bring that transformation, bring that freedom that we all long for, bring that freedom that the scriptures promise. You know, if you've got things going on in your life right now, the word of God is a remedy. You know, cultivating a relationship with God, 
is the remedy. Studying the Word of God, you know, many people go to church and many people profess to be Christians, and that's good. But how many of us are living that disciplined life, the life of a disciple? If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. You know, God wants to transform us. He wants to restore us. He wants to heal us. He wants to set us free. So I'm just going to pray and hand it back over. But I've really enjoyed being here and seeing you this morning. So that's good. And see some, you know, faces I've not seen for a wee while. So Father, we come before you, Lord, and that video I watched recently, Lord, with Rick Warren, he says, spoke of his son and he says his son was broken broken with mental illness and he says but we're all broken Lord, we're, i think we're all broken to different degrees different degrees but you came to heal the broken-hearted and set the captors free but lord may you reveal to us there's something required on our part and that is to live that life of a disciple we are abiding in the word of God so that we begin to see transformation, even if it takes a few years before we feel the change and see the change, the change will come. So Lord, I pray for every person in here this morning, whatever is going on in their life, Lord, that you will comfort them, Lord. You will tell them, Lord, that you are the answer to all things and in your word is the answer to everything lord you are our protector our provider our healer lord that's just a, a quote i read recently lord it just touched me you're a protector a provider a healer what more do we need lord we just ask you to touch our lives this morning lord give us hope lord we're the areas lord we've no seen breakthrough in lord give us hope lord that you are going to do it. Lord, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, amen.